Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Kings and Priests podcast. I'm Michael, and I'm here with Dean. Dean, how are you? Mate, I'm good. I'm coming to you from an undisclosed location <laughs> undisclosed where my location. regular camera doesn't work <laughs> and I have to use my iPhone, which probably works and sounds better. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that funny how it does that now, right? Like these new iPhones, the cameras and the mics on them are just are incredible. insane. It's incredible. So anyway, I'm, what's I'm going a good on? Day so far. You've been busy? Uh, everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, you know, uh, I'm actually in Los Angeles. So um, there you go. It doesn't have to be undisclosed. Land of the free and the home of the brave. Yeah, Los Angeles, you California. <laughs> I got the train down to San Diego from Union Station uh, on Tuesday. That was a, that was an interesting. Uh, I had a, I had a moment in a Starbucks there getting a. Uh, I wasn't getting a coffee actually. I'd already had two cups of coffee, but I was getting a sausage muffin mm. for breakfast mm-hmm. in the Union Station, and mm-hmm. this uh, this homeless lady is just very sad. She went and stole two things of orange juice. <laughs> like right in front of everyone. She just literally walked in, picked him up, and she's going to walk out. And I'm like, excuse me, madam, could I pay for those? Mm-hmm. And she <laughs> just didn't say a word. So she slowly gives them to me. Aww. And then I cut it. There's like three people in front of me. And uh, and I said, would you like a sausage muffin? Big mm-hmm. muffin. And she kind of nodded. Mm-hmm. So I said, two, two sausage Muffin, muffins, please, and two orange juices. And anyway, then she went. She left, and I got it. I, I paid for my get them. I'm waiting to get them. You know, they come hot. And so I walk outside, and she's there with a. No, it wasn't a trolley. It was like this kind of bundle of yeah. stuff. And uh, I gave her the two orange juices, and I gave her the muffin. And oh man, she she didn't say a word, but mm-hmm. she looked at me in the eyes. And kind of said thank you as a little crease of a smile, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that was it. Then I got Man. on the train. <laughs> so it just, you know, it's uh, it's a it's thing, LA, especially downtown. It's I man, I just read they're closing actually Starbucks. They're closing some Starbucks downtown. Yeah, I think simply because stores because the, the staff has said I we can't. They're not like, safe. We can, yeah, we're we're not safe. That's wild. Um, yeah. So there yeah. you go. You know, it's uh, it's crazy. I apparently there is possibility for them to reinstate a mask mandate. Oh at yeah, the end of the month. I just read, dude, which dude, I don't was, know. Oh, no man. one's going to do that. But mm-hmm. it's it was seventy percent masks down mm-hmm. in L.A. Mm-hmm. I was shocked having yeah. like come from Utah, where mm-hmm. it's like point oh 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 one percent masks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, it's just yeah. We L.A. People. We love our we love our masks in L.A. <laughs> we love well they love being told what to do <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so, um anyhow. so okay so the markets since we last talked are doing better bouncing i mean along. you know the they're, they're bouncing along um might so be more to go to, yeah seems like it right um mm-hmm. i did read though i think it was yesterday the day before that tesla disclosed they sold almost all of their bitcoin yeah um so, uh, which is pretty profit, interesting for a profit yeah um so, you know, we're, things are, things are moving along. Things are moving along in this. I, well, I guess we're still not saying. Still, unemployment is still low, even though there's layoffs coming in tech and other places. On the whole, employment is very strong, mm-hmm. which means if we're in a re- recession, which we'll find out pretty soon if we are two quarters of negative growth, um, it's a, it could be mild because 
people are working, which means there's money flushing through the economy. People are buying stuff. And, you know, it just, we could just bounce through this for a year, you know, mm-hmm. another year or more where it's just not super growth um, around. Inflation is hopefully peaking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we get through this one, unlike other ones where it can be very debilitating. Right. For business. And just lasts for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I today I want to talk about um, raising money because, mm-hmm. you know, we we talk a lot about bootstrapping and um, obviously any business at some point has to look at, do I raise money? How do I raise money? Do I not? Do I not raise yep. money? What do I do? There's an article this morning, actually, uh, in the Wall Street Journal, uh, excuse me, yesterday in the Wall Street Journal, um, title was tech down tech downturn slows early stage startup funding. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially the, the, the gist of the article is, is this, the fundraising slowdown is real, but venture funds are sitting on record amounts of capital committed by LPs last year. So Correct. it still is a great opportunity for outstanding companies to raise in this environment. So I think the idea here is that it's, it's slowed, but it's not impo- impossible, especially if you're a, a strong business. And like you've said before, there is a still a lot of cash and a lot of capital out there. Um, yeah. That has somewhere it's got to go. Right. Yeah. There's, there's always going to be money for good ideas. Um, the, the couple of things have changed. Valuations have changed. So mm-hmm. if you thought you were going to raise a million dollars at a $10 million value last year, that's not going to be the case, mm-hmm. especially if you're pre like pre revenue, and mm-hmm. kind of post MVP, right? right. Pre pre product is not going to get a lot of money right now, right? So, and you have to think unless why you're you, what, unless you are a unless you're a superstar founder, that's maybe that's maybe mm-hmm. maybe I don't think people are going to say here's twenty million for an idea. Right. Now you may you know, unless you're like a super rock star and have done right. this four times, maybe. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. those guys don't usually need it because they made money from the last ones they did, so they do it themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, but the thing is, the question you got to ask yourself the question: Why am I going to take money? Mm-hmm. Why am I sell? Why am I going to sell part of my company to take this money? What am I going to do with it? And the main reason that you always say yes at some point is that you not just want to grow. Like growth is baked into your whole. You wake up in the morning, fall out of bed, and you're thinking about mm-hmm. growth. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. acceleration of the growth. That's the right. only reason you want to take money. Right. If, if I right. sold ten percent of my company, you know, for a million dollars, could I, on this trajectory, I'm going to get to, you know, a hundred million dollar business here. But if I take the million, can I bring forward that, you know, trajectory, you know, five years? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's the only reason you're going to take the money. Right. And so, and that's why most founders decide at some point they can bootstrap for a long time. They can generate revenue. They can plow that revenue back in to keep the company growing, <clears throat> which is, you know, usually more employees and more advertising spend and whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Or am I going to go take some money, sell off part, you know, part of my business so I can go faster. That's the only reason mm-hmm. you take money. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about, um, I found an article uh, by Paul Graham, right. Who's one of the co-founders of Y Combinator mm-hmm. um, about what, essentially what, what the process is like for finding investors and raising money. Um, so funny enough, this is a pretty old article, but it's still like one of the, you know, like the highest traffic, try Yeah. Highest traffic article on his blog. His, his site is just phenomenal. His personal blog site. There's just so much great wisdom on there. So I want to run through, 
uh, a few of these and um, just some points that he he brings and uh, just kind of see what you think about them and and talk through those. So the first one is have low expectations. So Mm -hmm. when you're raising money, have low expectations. He says the reason raising money destroys so many startups morale is it's is is not simply that it's hard uh it's that so it's so much harder than expected and what Mm. kills you is the disappointment so startup founders tend to be optimistic uh this can work well in tech and company building but that's the wrong way to approach raising money better assume investors will always let you down um which i think is is an interesting way to think about it but maybe you have to be that way in in raising money what are your thoughts on this one i'm gonna go contrary to this one Okay. Because uh, we're people of faith. Yep. We're believers by nature. Mm-hmm. 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 And so I'm, I, I find it difficult to go into anything with low expectations, number one. Like entering into a relationship with low expectations isn't a great yeah. outcome. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, right. Starting a business with low expectations and – Mm-hmm. Like and what it's going to take to grow that thing. Not a great way to start. Yep. So I'm going to mm-hmm. I'm going to go uh, counterclockwise on this and okay. say okay. Now I would say that raising money is um, is hard. To some people, it comes easy. To some people, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I actually think mm-hmm. raising money depends a lot on your demeanor because mm-hmm. it, when you're in the early days of a business, you don't have a lot of track record. I don't have a lot of years right. of so <clears throat> how I present my product or service or idea yep. um, is re- going to really matter. And if I, mm-hmm. if I don't come across like, you know, if someone come to me and said, Hey, I got, I need to raise this money. And, you know, I, I guess you've got to split the two. You've got to contain yourself around getting mm-hmm. rejected, but you, mm-hmm. you just wake up every day knowing you're going to get a bunch of no's. Right, and this is why this is why salespeople make great entrepreneurs and great, mm-hmm. you know, startup people is they just don't care about the nose; they just keep banging until they yep. get a yes. So, yeah, look, you know, to, if you're a melancholy, you know, engineer, <laughs> maybe yeah. you, that's why you need a co-founder who's a sales yep. guy uh, mm-hmm. and manager that can, you know, go and and rustle the bushes and raise some money. So, look, I get what he's saying. Like, who who likes being rejected over and over? No one. But right. it's, it's, it's kind of the part of the deal. And yeah, it's, it's almost like it's almost and I, I totally agree with you on this one. You, you don't want to have low expectations. I think we can be grounded in reality, 100%. right? Like we can be grounded in reality. And like this is this person's money that they worked hard for. And so yep. they're not just going to go, hey, yeah, really easily. Yep. Why are you, you know, why are you the money? Right. 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 Um, and but yeah, to not have high expectation to me, that's the only reason you do this is to have high expectations, 100%. you know, and I get, you know, I get that. I get that it's hard. Right. Yeah. Um, but I'm the same way anytime in any sales thing, like yeah. it's easy to to just do, go through the process and then not totally. remember like, oh, this is a real person with real money and they have to actually think about where they're going to put it. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So so I would say I, I like that. Have high expectation and go into yeah. it with, you know, the belief that that good things are going to happen, regardless if this person invests in you or not. Right. Yeah. And if they don't, someone else will. Mm-hmm. Yep. Number two, keep working on your startup. And he said, it sounds obvious to say that you should keep working on your startup while raising money. Actually, this is hard to do. And most startups don't manage this well. Yeah. Raising money has a mysterious capacity to suck up all of your time. That's true. Um. 
So he says, put the startup first. If you keep the company moving forward, release new features, increase traffic, doing deals, getting written about, those investor meetings are likely going to be more productive. Not because your startup's going to seem more alive, but also because it would be, it'll be better for your own morale, which is one of the main ways investors judge you. I love this point. This is a, yeah, really, this is a good one. really good point. And it's back to this same old, right, around bootstrapping, hard work, always trying to, you know, you're just hustling every angle mm -hmm. to get, a, mm -hmm. you know, get ahead. Um, and, and, you know, like there's, there'll be a, there's a moment where, cause you know, we believe in this thing is you've got this idea, you kind of keep your job for as long as you can, mm -hmm. you, you know, maybe have saved up some of your own money to go and spend a year mm -hmm. building, right. This prototype mm -hmm. or this, and, <clears throat> you know, at, at some point you're hopefully going to get some revenue, but you've still got plenty to live on. And so you've created your own runway. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then you're not as beholden to have to go get early money. You just, right. Right. You just keep, keep it going. And, and so, so you're working two jobs. That's what this means. Entrepreneur, you're working mm -hmm. 80, 80 hours a week. You're mm -hmm. certainly not working 40. So, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, and it's usually that's when, you know, investor comes along and, and, you know, they see what you're doing. Like, yeah, I, mm -hmm. I get my, I'm doing this, like I'm doing 30 hours a week on Uber and I've got this other thing going, but I'm in the meantime, I'm working on this. This is my passion, mm -hmm. my dream. Mm -hmm. I'm living for this. Mm -hmm. And uh, man, I'll invest in that guy like all, yep. all day long. So there's no, yeah. no one thing. Here. Yeah. One thing he talked about in this one that I thought was good um, that I didn't, I didn't add on, on this because we've talked about it before, but he basically says, you know, can you basically it's better to start, consulting do some consulting based upon the business yep. that you're building yep. rather than take money that puts you in a bad position because you just need it to to pay the bills right yep. so yep. that's something he talks a lot about yep. is w you know that. again what angle can you work so that you don't have to take a bad right. you know a bad um a bad investment third one be conservative mm -hmm. as conditions get worse the optimal strategy becomes more conservative when things go well you can take risks when things are bad you want to play it safe he said, I advise approaching fundraising as if it were always going badly. The reason is that between your ability to delude yourself and the wildly unstable nature of the system you're dealing with, things probably either already are or could easily become much worse than they seem. Mm. What I tell most startups we fund is that if someone re reputable offers you funding on reasonable terms, take it. Right. Um, what do you think? What, what do you think there? I, I, think, I think what he's talking about there is dealing with an investor, right? So yeah. And he, he dives more into it in a sense of like, you have a great meeting with an investor, you have a good conversation, the person kind of sort of seems interested. It's easy for the optimistic person to go, okay, they're in. They're in, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. No. And what he's sort of saying is like, you know, one one good conversation doesn't equate to right. this person is ready to sign a contract and wire you the money. Right, right? yeah. You, no, nothing's done to you. You know, you've got a deal signed and, and money wired. So, but you know, I, like I think that the spirit is too is um, – if you've got a bona fide investor, don't get too greedy up front. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. now, last year when the market was, you know, ridiculous, yep. you know, my my $10 million startup, right, and, and selling 10% right. for a million might have been easy. Yep. <laughs> like yep. this year, you're lucky to get a $5 million valuation and 500K, right? So right. you got to understand what's going on in the marketplace, and if mm -hmm. you really think your idea is worth, you know, twice as what everyone else thinks it is, you're probably not going to get a lot of money. The, right. This, this, this at the uh, after everything is said and done is still a marketplace. 
There are mm-hmm. people requiring mm-hmm. things from other people, so a, a, a price has to get set, and the market will set the price. Sometimes you have SoftBank outlying <laughs> like people that come right. along and just go boom. But so, but that was mm-hmm. in a very frothy market, so mm-hmm. that, they dragged everyone up into unrealistic territory right. around valuation. Now mm-hmm. it's all back fifty percent, which is some arguing like, "Hey, this is where it should be." Like that was right. that was stupid for two years. So the market's mm-hmm. always sending the price. And if you think your company's worth X and the market is telling you why, and you want to do a deal, you do a deal, knowing that right. you're going to get your capital and hopefully you grow and blah, 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 all the rest. So the market sets the price. And if five people are telling you the same thing, you better listen to them yeah. or don't do the deal. Right, right, right. Yeah, so it's 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 being conservative in the way that you are valuing yourself right. and the way that you're valuing the business that you are right. are building. And- Right now, we are in a uh, time where, yeah, conservative, likely, likely the founder is going to have a higher uh, valuation yeah. on probably what the real yeah. valuation is or what the investor um, is. Um, <clears throat> so, okay, here we go. Let's do number four, be flexible. And this goes kind of builds on the last one we mm-hmm. talked about. There are two questions VCs ask ask that you shouldn't. VCs ask that you shouldn't answer. Who else are you talking to and how much are you trying to raise? Mm-hmm. Um, the custom of a startup needing a fixed amount of funding is an obsolete one left over from the days when startups were more expensive. Company needed to build a factory or hire 50 people obviously needed to raise a certain minimum amount, but few technology startups are in that position I love today. Um, yeah, talk to me about, about this. Um, yeah, so... Because I actually have a couple, I have a couple of questions on this one right. from someone who's raising money to someone who has invested. So I want to hear your perspective, and then I want to hear. I have a couple of questions for you on this one. Well, this one to me is like, you know, you're you're an entrepreneur who basically is looking to raise money to grow and, and, and increase the business, go faster. And like, what I'm looking for as an investor is come come and come and show me and prove to me and convince me that you have six different ways to do this. And I think that, right. that, you know, this is like, you know, and so like, you know, the example he gives here, hey, could I, we, I just want to raise 50 grand so I can feed the team, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. As mm-hmm. opposed to give me a million so we can go buy office space and put ourselves on, you know, 100 grand a year, right? right? So like, I love the fact that you could come and think through this thing. It's like, hey, I don't want to sell a lot of equity of the business now because we know it's going to be really valuable one day. But do you want to get in mm-hmm. early with, you know, a small uh, – and I I did this. You know, we had offers to sell a lot more equity in the early days. But um, mm-hmm. we just we just took as much as we needed to keep growing as fast as we could and not waste right. money. Um, mm-hmm. That's a kind of a side point too. You've got to know how to be frugal as, a, as an entrepreneur. You cannot and, – and we all know these stories like – and like WeWork's one of them. There was just, you know, excessive – Excessive. Uh, upon excess like it's just was mm-hmm. stupid mm-hmm. um so yeah i i like the scrappy entrepreneur is like hey i can do this five different ways and will you help me work out, out which one and if you've got an investor who's like legit and not going to rip you off and you know right. take take you for a ride um let's assume you hooked up with someone good um mm-hmm. you work out together what the best course is as far as what money you should take how much and when you should take it I think that's a great right. way to approach it. Right. I've thought about this a lot too, because with what, you know, with 
what we're building at Vast, it is very much like it. We don't need it. We're not trying to raise a million dollars. We're not even trying to raise half a million dollars. There may be a time for that where it's like, okay, we've got some gas. It's time to grow. Opportunities. Whatever. But right now, yeah, right now it is very much three, six, nine months at a time. Right. Here's something that I struggle with a lot though, is as someone who's trying to raise money, I'm trying to pitch an investor on a big vision. So as you should, so I can off, which, which you should, but so, so you're an investor and I go, Hey Dean, look, man, I'm running out of money. I just need another six months. I need another 50 grand right. to keep me paying myself a modest salary right. and keep, keep the things going. Right. right. But you as an investor want maximum, um, value. Like, like you want to be looking at something going like, to me, that just sounds less compelling, right? No, because, uh, well, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to keep you guys going for a while to just kind of hope. Does it, do you understand what I'm, what yeah, I'm, but what with I'm benchmarks, asking here? Right. So yep. like, you know, in your instance, like there was, there was like a 12 month plan that we right. were going to do X. So right. if, if I've invested in that environment and someone comes to me and say, Hey, look, we're going to re up. And I'm like, well, let, how did you do against your plan? Right. And if you hit your plan and then you say, well, tell me your next 12 month plan. Mm-hmm. And I go, well, he did the first 12 month plan. So why wouldn't, and he's right. got momentum now. Right. Why wouldn't they hit the second 12 month plan? So, right. I, so it's sort of, it's sort of like he hit a single. Yep. Let's let him hit another single yep. and just keep hitting singles. Maybe until hit three we, singles. Like loaded the bases. Right. right. As, as opposed to, as opposed Swing to, for the fences, this is what I've done. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. And and is that mostly like um, existing investors? Like like a brand new investor isn't going to necessarily go, oh yeah, okay, here's like an extra, here's here's some here's some money to top you up and keep you going. No. Like I'm trying to get practical for people. Um, I actually think it doesn't matter because you've got the track record. The okay. key is the results. Okay. The key is the right. runs on the board. So any investor, right. it's like, hey, I, I did this with this amount of money and I got to here. Mm-hmm. And here's my plan for the next 12 months to get there. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. But you, so, but you've got mm-hmm. an investment pool, number one. Right. And then, right. And this is, a, I, I, this is the overarching um, kind of comment on all these points. Entrepreneurs should always yep. be thinking about raising money. There's, right. As exhausting as it is, and there's times where you really have to ratchet it up and really it takes you a lot mm-hmm. of your time. You're always building your network. And look on the lookout to raise money always. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's great. Um, so let's talk about rejection. The next one, which I think is, I, I think this is a really good one. Don't take rejection personally. Now you know you mentioned salespeople making good mm-hmm. entrepreneurs. Yeah. Most salespeople have gotten past this early in their, <laughs> early in their career, right? Because you just you don't have much of a choice. But I, it is it is a real thing, right? So. Getting rejected by investors can make you doubt yourself. After all, uh, they're more experienced than you, which, you know, yeah. I, I, I totally get that. The way to handle rejection is with precision. You shouldn't ignore it. It actually might mean something, but you shouldn't automatically get demoralized either. So that's this like really good dance that I think yeah. kind of separates the men from the boys, right? In that like, I'm not going to get offended if I'm rejected. Absolutely. I'm going to take the rejection and go, where were they right? And what can I learn from yeah. it? But I'm also going to take the rejection and go, okay, they obviously don't see this the way that I see it. That's like a really delicate dance, but I think it's really important for anyone trying to build a company. Yeah. What are they rejecting? They're not rejecting me as a mm-hmm. person. So it's not, not mm-hmm. actually the right question because this is not, this is mm-hmm. not, I'm not presenting my personality for you to invest in. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. 
I'm not in, right. I'm not investing my, you know, Australian Viking good looks for you to invest in. I'm in mm-hmm. asking you to invest in a business that, that, you know, until I create a culture doesn't really have a personality. It's just ones mm-hmm. and zeros and, and, you know, dollars and cents. So I'm not going to take anything mm-hmm. personally because it's got right. nothing to do with me as a person. Right. But it's got everything to do with me as someone with skills, ideas, organizational abilities, blah, blah, blah. So it's not a personal rejection ever. It could be a rejection of the business idea. That's what it's a, a rejection. Mm-hmm. A no from an investor means, and if they're a bona fide real investor with money to allocate mm-hmm. to risky things like mm-hmm. startups, that's so if they're not that, that that's that you wouldn't even talk to them. Right. <clears throat> um, but if they, they've done this before, and this is they understand the risk it's the rejection comes as a result of the business idea didn't it just didn't mm-hmm. get past a certain threshold of risk for them yeah where they thought mm-hmm. you know I, I just can't see this working so i'm nothing you know I, I used to belong to a um uh this kind of angel group and like mm-hmm. you know that these all these entrepreneurs would come to ucla and they pitch right to investors and there was like 40 of us in a room and it was great watching mm-hmm. these young guys pitch their things, you know? Um, yep. and I, pro- I probably looked at 200 deals and invested in one of them. Right. Right. And that was about the rate. Mm-hmm. That was about the, the yep. going rate. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, it's just, it's not personal. It's just the numbers don't add up to me. I don't believe in the market. I don't think what you think about this thing. I'm not passionate like you are. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pass. Mm-hmm. Nothing's supposed yep. to. Yeah, yeah. I think that's such a big, a big thing. Another thing he mentions in this too is a, a rejection is the opportunity to look at your pitch. Yep. Right. Sure. So hey, maybe may, maybe I didn't communicate this in a way that was compelling. Yeah. Like maybe I just I I yeah I I didn't. You know, one thing I do is like especially now this is like a super practical tip, and I'm like in conversations I'm having with people like almost all of them are on Zoom. Yep. I write a few notes and put it in the top corner of my my computer and i'm like okay these are the things that i need to make sure and you hit because i want them to leave with at least i want them to hear me say yeah. xyz Excellent. so at least then i know i said what my basic thesis for this right. business yeah. is right yeah. um yeah absolutely because i think that's a big thing maybe maybe you just didn't pitch it it maybe you just didn't pitch that's it right it. <laughs> <laughs> um okay uh Let's do number six. Let's just do this one briefly because there's actually a couple more I want to get through. So avoid inexperienced investors. Uh, Though novice investors seem unthreatening, they can be the most dangerous sort because they're so nervous, especially in proportion to the amount they invest. Raising 20 grand from a first-time angel investor can be as much work as raising 2 million from a VC fund. I've got a unique thought on this, but I want to hear your thoughts. I mean, look, you've got to start somewhere. So, but yeah, if if this isn't, investing in startups is... It's better than buying lottery tickets, but it's about the same as <laughs> right. betting on horse racing. <laughs> you got yep. twenty, you got twenty mm-hmm. starting and one wins. <laughs> yep. So, yep. You know, it's not for the faint of heart. And and if you're going to invest mm-hmm. like your money into businesses that are pre-revenue or or post-product pre-revenue or tiny revenue, mm-hmm. this is money you can afford to lose. Right. And so that's that's. So if they're first time or do this for a living, they know the risk. And so, yeah, you don't want to like taking money off your uncle Joe, you know, mm-hmm. 50 grand 
and Uncle Joe's like life savings are like fifty one thousand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there may be that that fifty grand means a lot more right. to him than it does exactly. Mr. Angel Investor right. guy. So yeah. Don't, don't, yeah. Now look, a lot of businesses have been started with family and friends' money, right? Like mom and dad pitched in, and those stories are awesome. Mm-hmm. But there's a million other stories where that money went down the drain and everyone mm-hmm. lost. So. It's, this is just this is this is the riskiest thing you can do in business. Invest in startups, yeah. and we hear all the um, mm-hmm. the kind of awesome stories about the unicorns. But there's a lot of pets.coms out there that <laughs> that took in yeah. a lot of millions of dollars and went down the toilet. Yeah, that was going to be kind of my point. It's like I think I think and and you, you tell me if you think I'm wrong on this. I really do think it's the founder's responsibility to, especially as a Christian to be uh, like sober-minded in who they're taking investment from, right? Like, you know, if someone says to me, hey, Mike, we're going to, cool idea, we're going to toss this money at you. It's like, well, I don't know, man. Like, am I going to be able to steward, Mm -hmm. am I going to be able to steward this properly? And I think it's easy, you know, a a VC is going to ask the right questions. They're going to make sure you're buttoned up. Um, And like you said, they're going to be willing to lose the money. But having some buddy that wants to get in early on your- right app idea that you're you know and wants to give you 10 grand that he was going to use to buy a house is probably not yeah that's probably not the kind of money that you want to to take even though i'm sure for some people that's a that's a real um it's a thing it's a, it's a thing it's a it's a temptation Hopefully it's you know a problem you're going to have money coming from lots yep. of sources and you you just try and pick the right ones and sometimes friends and family yep. money is the right source you know mm-hmm. like it, it it is so because you feel really obligated and and um bound to to work so much more harder to to you know bring a return right. so mm-hmm. it can be a good thing mm-hmm. yeah number seven know where you stand the most dangerous thing about investors is their indecisiveness um the worst case scenario is the long no the no that comes after months of meetings yeah. Um, and then he says, so while you're talking to investors, constantly look for signs of where you stand. And then, um, he says, and this is why I'm, I'm, he says, investors tend to resist committing except to the extent that you push them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in their interest to collect the maximum am- amount of information while making the minimum, minimum number of decisions. So, uh, I guess this gets more into some of the tactical, it's, tactical honestly, nature of it. Um, a proper investment round has a deadline. Mm-hmm. So, hey, we're raising X, you know, at this valuation, you've got by the 15th. Are you, you know, yep. like, yeah, and that's what we're doing. <laughs> it's, it's not like, mm-hmm. it's not an invitation yep. to, to look at, you know, my numbers for six months. It's it's like, hey, we're <laughs> right. raising this, right. and here's the deadline. We're on a timeline. Yeah. This is what's happening. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and is that uh, like ex- maybe have you found yourself in a situation like that before, where it's like you know you've been talking to somebody about investing in something? Is there sort of like good pressure that they can put on you versus bad pressure? Does that make uh, sense? Yeah, like I want to put and pressure may not be the right word, well, but I want to put you know. pressure on them. And we've been mm-hmm. fortunate to have more. Whenever we've gone to market to raise funds, we've always had more than we wanted. Like, like right. literally, you know, we want to raise X, and we've got like three times that offered. Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm-hmm. well, we just mm-hmm. use them to get the best terms, and we give them a date and, yep. and the bank account number. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> <we can laughs> sign here and get it in. This is it. You win. Yep. So yep. <laughs> having that competitive yep. advantage is awesome. It doesn't always work like that. 
Um, but mm-hmm. you know, you you just want to always be putting your company in a, in a place where people come to you and and you know mm-hmm. and hear about what you're doing and uh, like mm-hmm. the industry that you're in, and we'll fight to uh, to get get on your cap table. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, cool. So I want to do one more question. Mm-hmm. We were going to, if we had some time, we were going to go into some more of these, but there are some basically uncommon questions investors may ask you. There was one specifically that I thought was a, a interesting one and has actually happened to me, not just when it comes to investments, but also like raising money, but also jobs mm-hmm. and, and anything like that. And the, the question is this, who believes in you and how can I get in touch with them? Yeah, I love that question. That's a, that's a great <clears throat> That's a great question. And there have been, um, I remember specifically, I got a job. I was probably 20, I was like 20, 29 years old. I got a job that I was not qualified Mm -hmm. for. But simply because of who my boss was at the time. And they knew that this person believed in me. They basically gave me the job after one interview. Um, and so I think this idea of like, who's in your life, who believes right. in you, who's behind you, who's mentored you, who's advised right. you is a massive, massive 100%. piece of leverage. Um, what do you think? Well, about you that? Know, in the old days, you ask for references, right? On a resume, like mm-hmm. who you like past mm-hmm. bosses or whatever. In the, in the age of, of digital communication, social media, um, and, and ease of which you can connect with anyone. I had someone. Mm-hmm. I had someone hit me up on Twitter the other day. Asked for my email uh, to send me an idea. They yeah. they just did it. Never met them. Mm-hmm. Like, like mm-hmm. you know. So we've talked about this before. Like utilizing networks to, to to leverage your ability to network with people that can help you go to where you want to go. Right. That's that's. I put that in this mm-hmm. in this bucket. So if you haven't done that, right, mm-hmm. and and you've kind of lived on your island and you don't, you haven't kind of attached yourself either via um, consuming someone's, you know, podcast or, and then sending them a note mm-hmm. and thanking them. And like, this goes in the bucket of networking. So when the right. time comes to potentially you're looking at raising a million dollars at a $10 million valuation and someone asks you that question, what relationships have you built? Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, Oh, so I think that's, that's just, this is a, the cool thing about this question is it talks to a, a kind of a lifestyle that you have to lead as a business owner mm-hmm. and an entrepreneur. I'm always connecting. I'm always like, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm not doing business with, I'm doing business around, um, you know, yep. so it's like I, I've, in the last seven years, I've, I, I've literally spoken to um, people that have run multi-billion dollar private equity firms doesn't mean they've invested in me, you know, um, Mm -hmm. and then, and read copious amounts of, you know, content. Um, doesn't Mm -hmm. mean I know them, but I've reached out on Twitter and they're like, I can't say, Hey, so-and-so from this VC firm in the Valley can reference me. I can't say that, but, but along the journey, I'm building up my network to the point where one or two could, like I, I could have, Mm-hmm. You know, I, I actually could have you talk to a couple of billionaires. Right. Right. Because I've, I've just mm-hmm. gotten to know people yep. and I may, may not have done mm-hmm. business with them that somehow I've, I've got them in them. I'm not in their orbit. Like they're huge, but I've gotten a little bit of them into my orbit. And so I'm going to grab onto that yep. and, and kind of do that. Yep. Right. 
So I, I think the spirit of this is just be networking and, and don't be a jerk networker, right? Don't tell lies. Right. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's just the, the worst. worst. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Don't go Amway mm-hmm. on people. On people. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you get spotted pretty mm-hmm. quick. But definitely yep. build your network. Um, and there's all the ways that we've talked about how you can do that. And so when the moment comes, mm-hmm. you know, potentially you're going to be able to leverage those relationships, even sometimes as, as small as they can be. Right. Yeah. Good Obviously. stuff. All right. Raising Come money. On. Fun times. Um, that's good. Uh, hit us up if you have any questions as usual. What were we going to say, Dean? Just always be raising money. Always be raising money. Always, always yeah. be doing it. I love it. Uh, Dean, thank you very much. We'll see you guys right back here next week for the Kings and Priests podcast. Talk to you soon.